Welcome to another edition of the Homeschool Educational Supplement that we all know as interesting stuff. And today we have a little bit of a historical context for you. And we are looking at laws and lands. And you may want to ask, why is this important? Well, this is important because it's a little bit of how we got where we are today. Yes, all the things around about us, once upon a time, weren't here. And we've been building for centuries upon centuries on the work of our ancestors. And little things like how we run our society, well, this just didn't pop up overnight. We've been working on this forever. And we're going to start by taking a trip back to the year 930. And if you can imagine, we begin on the island of Iceland. Now, the arrival of summer in this magical place meant the onset of the annual assembly of the world's first modern parliament. Yes, it seems that those Icelanders have always been a little bit ahead of everybody else. So try to imagine the scene. It's early morning, chieftains on horseback from every corner of the land are galloping down into the town and a vast meeting plain surrounded by volcanic mountains is the setting for the all-important meeting. Each chief dismounts from his panting horse and joins a throng of people already gathered to celebrate Iceland's midsummer holiday. Although I'm pretty sure they didn't call it a holiday way back then. So while the chieftains, or Godar as they were known, 36 of them in all, conversed with old friends and advisors, teams of men pitched tents around the plain, and stallholders peddled ale to the crowd. But it wasn't just a political affair. Young men, hoping to find a wife there, staged impressive mock battles on horseback to demonstrate their riding and fighting prowess. As the official summer ceremony was about to begin, a crowd would hush and all eyes would turn towards the Law Rock, which basically was a giant mound of earth. But upon this mound, the high priest would consecrate the plain and bless the assembled crowd. He would ask all present to lay down their arms and prepare to debate in peace, at which point the parliament was in session. Now, midsummer in Iceland is a period of uninterrupted daylight, and over the course of two weeks, the business of the land was conducted in open-air public debates. In an age of rule by kings and tyrants, Iceland was an amazingly unique republic, and the duties that normally fell to one man were discharged instead by the Godar to a variety of people. Ranking below the chieftains was the Court of Justice, a panel of judges made up of householders who helped to settle disputes. Every farmer was legally bound to belong to a chieftaincy, but he was permitted to switch allegiance as and when he pleased. Much of the Parliament's business was the settling of disputes, as you can imagine. The main event, however, was the Great Council meeting, at which only the rulers were permitted to debate and vote. 
This main event was conducted by a law speaker who was elected by the Godar for a three-year term. The chieftains and their advisers all sat around him while spectators watched the proceedings from the surrounding grassy slopes, probably munching their equivalent of crisps and popcorn as the uh, theatre continued. Now, it was the law speaker's duty to recite any relevant laws and settle knotty points of interpretation, but only the great council of chieftains was allowed to draft new laws and make important decisions of state such as whether to make treaties with foreign powers. Eventually, when the fortnight of decision-making, storytelling and merriment came to an end, the Parliament was dissolved in an open ceremony, and the final ritual demanded that all those present take up their arms once more, and with a clashing of swords and a great cheer from the crowd, each chieftain confirmed their intent to abide by the decisions that had been taken by the first national parliament. Now, as you can imagine, early democracy was a sparse and troubled affair with many violent disputes, wild claims, and then often wars. And compared to the Icelandic example, Europe had been pretty barbaric since the fall of the Holy Roman Empire. Rule was often by the sword, and most men were bound in contracts to the lord of the land where they lived. The lords were caretakers of the land for the king or queen of any particular area, and those who lived on the land, well, they were the tenants, and were also known as vassals or servants, or at the lowest level, serfs. Now, in medieval Europe, the bond between lord and vassal was the cement of a society, and this system was later dubbed feudalism by 19th century historians. This society was likened to a vast pyramid with the monarch at the apex or top. In theory, the sovereign owned every square inch of land in his or her domain. Even the greatest landowners were vassals of the monarch and they in turn parceled out their estates to lesser tenants, who at a higher level were knights or gentry. Such a grant of land was often called a feudum, and once a knight was granted the caretakership of an area of land, he agreed then to support his lord and pledged himself to protect the vassals. While the Lord, on the other side, pledged himself to protect the vassal's life and property. Although, if you ask me, quite who was protecting who was a little bit unclear. Now, a knight's duty was to ride into battle for his Lord. And this was part of the essential feudal obligation. But since maintaining a large force of knights was a very costly affair, the king often gave estates to his closest and most trusted followers naturally to support them in their enterprises. In time, the ownership of these lands, together with the title of lord, became hereditary. Yes, they kept it in the family, and vast areas of Europe were settled into a rule of territorial aristocracy. The theory of exchanging land for service was beautifully simple, but the reality was actually far more complex. Monarchs increasingly found it easier and cheaper to raise armies of mercenaries when they needed them, and personal service by the knights was supplanted by cash payments, and the rise of Prussia and the Prussian army was a greater 
later example of this. And so a system that had initially protected the peace of the realm now began to have the opposite effect, for it created powerful men with private armies, and it spawned an almost endless series of conflicts between rival landowners. Sadly, such disputes continued until basically the discovery of America and the possibility for serfs to migrate west to lands that promised greater freedoms. However, this solution brought about different problems, such as how would they pay for the migration west and the later slaveries that arose from indentured servitude. And so life was complicated and conflicts were common right down throughout history. That is, of course, until the codification of the first modern Declaration of People's Rights, which came into existence through the American Declaration of Independence. But the subjects of society still had to wait until 1776 for that to happen. And there ends one story and begins another. But that one's for a different day. So thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope there was something fresh and interesting there for you. I hope I enlightened you a little bit with some knowledge about something maybe that you didn't know before. As always, under the related video, you'll find some comprehension questions to check your understanding. And if you'd like me to look into a different topic, then drop me a line and let me know. Otherwise, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I wish you a fantastic day, and I'll speak to you again soon. Take care.